Pastor Xavier Reese explains the hope we have in his story on today's Simple Truths. Blessed is he who reads the revelation. The word blessed means, oh, how happy. Happiness is the person who reads and finds out that Jesus can forgive their sins and make them sons and daughters of God. Happiness is the person who can learn and understand what is going to happen to the world and then communicate it to others with meekness and fear. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Christians spend millions each year on books, seminars, and retreats in order to hear from God. But according to Pastor Xavier, we can hear from our Heavenly Father on a regular basis if only we take the time to listen to what He's written for us in His book. Let's join him as he continues this brand new study in the book of Revelation titled, God's Final Revelation. The book of Revelation is history written in advance, and Christ is the key figure. Everything else revolves around him and is subject to him in this book. The work of atonement has been accomplished. He is reigning, he is ruling, he's waiting for his father to make his enemies his footstool and to return. This is what the book of Revelation is all about. The person to reveal the revelation to man was John, who bore witness. The phrase bore witness means to testify, to bear record. One gives testimony of what one sees, hears, and knows. John is the revealer. Notice that. He is the one who is revealing this truth. He bore witness to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and to all things that he saw. God uses prophets. He did in the past. Noah, Abraham, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, many of those. And yet it was God's plan. God's purposes, telling the things before they happen, so when they happen, they knew it would be God. No coincidence. The prophet would have to put his life on the line. If he was wrong one time, they would kill him. I don't see any pronosticators today making that type of proclamation. The primary function of a prophet was to be the mouthpiece of God, as you know. Often people think of prophecy as predictive, future only. No, the primary function of a prophet from the beginning in the Old Testament is being the mouthpiece of God, to communicate the mind and the will of God. Then secondly, there would be predictive statements of the future, but that's the secondary position of a prophet, not the primary one. Amos 3, 7 says, Surely the Lord God gives nothing unless he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. And so God has always communicated to man what he's going to do. He doesn't leave him in the dark. He told Noah, I'm going to destroy the world. Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He's telling John, I'm going to come back in judgment. He always warns men so men have a way of escape. Man is without excuse. Very important. Now these prophets, John who spoke, did not speak of their own origin. Very important, as we said. And the evidence of history and the um, ongoing unfolding of God's word 
is beyond any, any doubt. The chance of probability we've gone over and over in that is just an amazing thing. There's just no way that, uh, that it could be man. You remember King Amaziah? He said to Amos, Go, you seer, flee to the land of Judah. There eat bread and there prophesy, but never again prophesy in Bethel. Because he was pronouncing the judgment of the northern kingdom. They didn't want him there. For it is the king's sanctuary and it is the royal residence. And then Amos answered and said, listen to Amaziah, I was no prophet, nor was I the son of a prophet, but I was a sheep breeder and a tender of sycamore fruit. Then the Lord took me as I was a servant. He was a sheep breeder and a fruit picker. And God called him to prophesy. He says, don't blame me. I've got to prophesy. I can do nothing but that. I've got to be obedient to the call. And so here again, he bore witness of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ to all the things that he saw. All. And as he unfolds them all, he's going to give to us the glorified Christ. He's going to give us the seven messages to the churches. He's going to give us the church that she has removed in chapter 4 and 5 before the throne of grace. He's going to show us the beginning of the revelation of tribulation in chapter 6. And he will go from there, the seven seals that are open, the seven trumpets, the vials or the bowls, depending on your translation, of the wrath of God the ultimate destruction of the Antichrist's kingdom, the setting up of the kingdom, and so on and so forth. All things he is going to reveal, things that are going to come. And so John here is faithful in this. This was the earthly affirmation of the revelation. And so John must have been blown away as he was there in the island of Patmos, therefore the testimony of the word of God, as verse 9 tells us, a companion and tribulations, patience, waiting for the kingdom of God. And God gives him all this thing, and he is called to write it down. This is his witness. His, his call, his commission was not to prophesy as prophets of the past, but to record it in written form and to send it to the seven churches. Interesting. Now, this was the earthly affirmation of the revelation. And notice thirdly, the spiritual compensation that we have in verse 3. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. The personal pronoun throughout John, as well as his name, but here, blessed is he who reads the revelation. He, you, I, whoever opens the Bible up, blessed is he who reads the word of this prophecy. The word blessed means, oh, how happy. It is the same word that Jesus used in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, 3 through 10. Oh, how happy. These are the very words of Jesus from Luke eleven twenty eight, where he says, more than that, he says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. It's great to hear the word of God, but 
Keep it. There's the blessing, the combination. There's a blessing in reading. There's a blessing in hearing. But keeping it. This happiness that he's talking about is true happiness, by the way. It's not like the happiness of the world that is dependent upon your emotions, your feelings, on circumstances or situations. This is happiness in its purest form because of who you possess, Jesus Christ, who is in you, and what you know and understand about God and the things of God and eternity. Happiness is the person who reads and finds out that Jesus can forgive their sins and make them sons and daughters of God. Happiness is the person who can learn and understand what is going to happen to the world and then communicate it to others with meekness and fear. Now, notice that the person who hears the words of the revelation is also to be blessed. Blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy. The practice of public reading was after the Jewish synagogue, as you know. Probably some in the congregation read the word or the pastor himself. Um, Within time, they probably had what they call official lectors or readers, like the synagogue. And a person would read aloud. And so the letters that are sent to the seven churches, the pastor would receive it, and they would read it aloud, and people would hear that letter. What I do at first is I read the text so you hear what we're going to study. So what does it say? I read it. And then we study what does it mean. And then we put a handle on it. How do we apply it? And that's what we do every time. Now, not all in the days of John could read. So this is part of the problem too. Not just the practice, a formal practice, but they couldn't read. So the only way they could learn was by hearing at first. And that, by the way, is always some, some of the cases today. It is interesting that many Christians throughout church history learned to read after they became Christians by reading the Bible. They became educated by reading the Bible and learning to read. The word here, akul, means to be endowed with the faculty of hearing, to attend to, consider and understand what is being said. Understanding. But God turns the light on. He's the one that turns the light on over and over and over again. It isn't ourselves, it is God. And notice as the words of this prophecy in keeping them. There is the key. It isn't simply just hearing. It isn't just reading. Notice the person who keeps these things which are written in the Revelation will be blessed. The blessing is not in just going to church. Great mistake some people make. Some people say, well, I don't remember anything about church. I've been going to church 10 years and I can't really remember anything. Well, do you remember what you ate last 10 years? I don't think so. But it sure has nourished you, hasn't it? (laughs) You come to church, you'll grow, you'll mature, you'll develop. You'll be like that branch to the vine. Because there's no such thing as a churchless Christian. 
It's a lie from hell. You're part of the body of Christ. You belong somewhere. You need to be fed. You need companionship. You need fellowship. You need to identify with the body of Christ. In fact, the word keep means to observe and guard. It's translated whole fast, addressing the church of Sardis. It says, therefore, remember how you have received and heard whole fast. Here's the word. And repent. Revelation 3.3. 3. Same word. Whole fast. So the word keep, what you hear, what you read, hold fast. Be a doer of it. Observe it. Reading brings greater responsibility and accountability to God. Hearing. The blessing is not in mere hearing again, but in keeping what one hears. There are always those who love knowledge. It's based on pride. And the worst type of pride is spiritual pride. And flaunting knowledge they have heard while not keeping what they have heard, having greater condemnation. The blessing comes in keeping what is written in the Revelation. The context is what is going to be written here. We know we have to keep all the Word of God, but he's dealing very specific with the Revelation. You keep it to repent from one's sins, to remember to live holy, to realize the book of Revelation is God's inspired word. We can't just shirk it off. We can't, oh, we don't understand it. No. In fact, the warning is given against all this at the very end of the book again as he speaks about that he testifies that whoever adds or takes away will be taken away from him or added to the plagues of the book of life. And so we don't mess with it. Not with the book of Revelation or anything else. Very, very important. And so, as he says, for the time is near. Notice that. The time is near. The word time is a very specific word. It's the word kairos. And it means a season or a specific time, a block. Like we say summer, from summer of June to September. If you're in February, you don't say we're in summer. So in other words, sometimes this word is used for season. In fact, this word is used for a critical crisis time of the second coming and for the church age and for certain periods. The context will determine that. So it's a very specific time, even as he says here, which are written for the time is near. What time is near? The time of the return of Jesus Christ. The time when the wrath of God will be poured out. It's a very specific time that he's talking about. Chapter 3, verse 10, we already saw that. The hour of testing. It's a very critical time. The time is closer than people think. He says near. The word for near means at hand. As the events were being revealed, it was 95, 96 A.D. John was sure Jesus was coming. Now it's been 2,000 years. How do we answer that? We don't. His coming is always imminent. Every generation should be looking to Jesus, believing of his coming for him or her. 
The Christian who starts becoming comfortable and saying, well, maybe my Lord will delay his coming, uh, becomes like the servant who said that. And his master came when he did not least expect it, and judgment came upon him because he became, began to party and to do his thing and not even be careful about the coming of the Lord. The warning is very clear throughout the scriptures. And the same word is used at the end of the book of Revelation in 22.10. And he said to me, do not seal the words of this prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Did you hear that? This book is not a sealed book. The book of Revelation is an open book. It's not like the book of Daniel, Daniel 8.26, 9.24, and 12.4. It is a sealed book. Daniel said, won't these be? Daniel, none of your business. Seal it up. It's for the end. And how interesting that we've come to understand the book of Daniel so much clearer now in the 70th week of Daniel in this past two generations. But the book of Revelation has never been a sealed book. In fact, we see right here at the beginning, it's the only book that gives you a promise. If you read it, if you hear it, it has a promise, it's not sealed. In fact, the book of Revelation is the answer to the long-awaited prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The book of Revelation is an answer to that prayer. His kingdom is established. The power of the word of God is so amazing. It makes absolutely no difference what I'm teaching out of. God will use all of that to convict the heart of men. I was just talking to a brother who was um, upstairs grabbing some coffee, and um, he told me when uh, his son just invited him, he said, oh, dad, just come to church. And he just sat there, and the Lord just nailed him. And he thought that his son had spoken to me and everything else, and, and the same thing next week and everything. And then they came, and they got saved, and they're involved. I can be speaking out of the book of Revelation. I can be speaking out of the Psalms. It makes no difference. If your heart is open, the word of God will pierce your heart, and God will convict you, turn on the light, and he will save you. It isn't me or anybody else. In fact, the power of God's word is beautifully illustrated as one day Spurgeon was in his church there. And he was just proclaiming the word by himself, doing some whatever. And he proclaimed it to his not knowing there was a man in the rafters working. Spurgeon was unaware of it. The man went home and was so convicted by what Spurgeon was proclaiming. It was the word of God that he got saved. The word of God is powerful. Powerful. As Spurgeon used to say, you don't defend the lion, just open the cage and let him out. How many people in Christ are so unhappy because they don't bring their thoughts into captivity. They don't walk in the spirit. They don't stay in church. If you think that you can handle life, you just stay away from the word a week or two. Don't read it. Ooh, your flesh will get you. You find it hard to bring your thoughts into captivity. You find it easier to give into temptation. Word's powerful. Powerful. The word of God. There's nothing, nothing like it. God is always looking for people to use. The time is near. Jesus gave so many parables to warn, 
against ignoring the fact that he was coming again. Listen to some of his words. Matthew 24, 30. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Matthew 24, 30. In fact, Revelation 1, 7 tells us, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so. Amen. It's not going to be some secretive coming, as the Jehovah Witnesses have told you that happened in the early part of the century, and he's hiding somewhere. Every eye is going to see him when we return with him. And in spite of that, there'll be people to reject him. People say, oh, if, if they only knew, if, if, if God would do something, they would repent. No, we're going to look in the book of Revelation. It says, you know, knowing that the wrath of God is coming from the throne of God, they do not repent. They say on the, to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the wrath of the Lamb. And they do not repent from their sorcery, their fornications, their adulteries, their thefts, their covetousness. Listen, you are going to die exactly like you live. And if you live as a Christian, you'll die as a Christian. But if you live like an unsaved person, you're going to die the same way. People who are born again on their deathbeds, I'm sure are few. Thank God for them. But they're very, very, very few. Matthew 24, 44, Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Matthew 25, 13. And therefore, Jesus says in Luke 21, 36, Watch therefore and pray always, that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Man. This was the spiritual compensation of the revelation. Amazing. Here's your three truths that qualify the divine inspiration of the book of Revelation. Right at the beginning in the prologue. The heavenly communication of the revelation, the earthly affirmation of the revelation, and the spiritual compensation of the revelation. Now the question is, are you born again? If you're not born again, then God has brought you here to be saved. The book of Revelation should not scare you. It should convict you. And as a Christian, we take that information and we communicate to those who don't know Christ. That they might repent. You cannot scare anybody out of hell or the hell out of anybody. People are convicted out from the road of hell to the straight and narrow way to heaven. As they see themselves separated from God under God's wrath and that Christ died for them and that he loves them. And there's that conviction of sin and that sense of appreciation of what he did that brings a man and a woman to the cross and there and only there are they born again and their sins are forgiven and they're made new 
and they're given living hope nowhere else. And it is in the person of Jesus Christ. Pastor Xavier Reese, reminding us not only where conviction comes from, but also the hope there is for all that look to Jesus the Savior. And you can request a copy of today's thought-provoking lesson titled, God's Final Revelation. You can get a copy for only $4 on CD. And this also contains what Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together. The title to ask for once again is, God's Final Revelation. Or simply mention today's date when you write, Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you include the call letters of this station when you contact us. What's the most important thing in the world? Find out how Pastor Xavier Reese answers that question when you tune in to the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 